you have waited long enough your wait is over you've waited long enough you've waited long enough and you may be seated In 2 Kings chapter 7, we read that there was a famine in the land. But the prophet said, tomorrow, about this time, the famine will be over. You'll buy flour and bread and barley and whatever you need for just a few coins. Tomorrow, about this time. And there was a servant of the king at the king's gate, and he said, Huh, if the Lord were to open the windows of heaven, it wouldn't happen. And the prophet said, Oh, not only will it happen, you will see it with your eyes, but you won't get to partake because of your doubt look at somebody again and say hey you've, you've waited long enough <clears throat> but 2 Kings 7 is not my message today I, I just that was in my spirit it, it's, it's, part of the, it's part of what I'm going to say but I'm not going to preach that passage come back some other time I'll preach that passage but <sighs> how many love to wait you just love to wait wave at me if you, you you're a waiter you love to wait I'm not talking about waiting on tables I'm talking about you love to wait for your promise you love to wait for your breakthrough you love to wait for your paycheck you love to wait for joy you love to wait for hope you love to wait for Christmas you love to wait for the gifts you're going to get next Christmas you love to wait you love to go to a drive-in you love to go to Chick-fil-a and wait in line oh you don't wait long there do you you love to go to Burger King or Hardee's or somewhere and you wait in line. You love to go to a restaurant and wait two hours, three hours for them to feed you. You love to wait. That's you. Let me see your hand. I saw one hand go up there back, back there, but it went down quickly. <clears throat> so maybe he, maybe he thought I was taking an offering and he was, he was ready to give. But most of us, waiting is not our favorite thing to do. Hurry up and wait. We don't like to wait. Waiting, waiting is not our favorite thing to do, but waiting sometimes is, is part of the process. You know, when, when Jacob was going to marry Rachel, he worked and waited seven years, seven long years. But it went by so fast because he knew at the end of those seven years he was going to marry Rachel. But Jethro surprised him. And when he woke up, it wasn't beautiful Rachel, it was ugly Leah. The ugly duckling. Don't get mad at me, I'm just telling you what the Bible talks about. And so he was so disappointed. And so he went to Jethro and he said, now what? 
He said, well, if you'll work seven more years, I'll give you Rachel. He said, I couldn't let Rachel get married first because Leah was the oldest, but he waited seven years. He worked and waited seven years, and then he worked seven more years for Rachel, but he gave her to him then. Fourteen years he worked and waited. But most of us don't. We don't like to wait. We don't want to wait a long time. We'll wait for a minute. But we live in an instant society. We, we live in a culture where we want everything right now. Right now. We, are, we demand things right now. After all, this is America, right? So we want it now. Give it to me now. And even if we don't have the money, we, we live in a culture where you can buy now and pay later. So we don't want to wait. We just load up the credit cards. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Waiting, 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 waiting. Sometimes it seems like in life we spend our times waiting. Waiting is part of the process. Did you know that waiting sometimes is a test? Testing time. How many love tests? Oh, there's one hand. You love tests. You just love to take tests, to pass tests. You don't want to fail the test, but you love tests. Any test lovers out there? Only one hand, so. Only one that love waiting and only one that love testing, so. So you don't love tests. Sometimes waiting is a test, testing time. And when God blesses you, when we receive the blessings of God, when the blessings of God are on your life, did you know that it gets on those around us? It'll get on your, your family and your friends. And he wants to bless you. And so sometimes when we are waiting, we get impatient. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Come on, tell them in a good preachy voice. Look at you and say, that's you. You're so impatient. You want it now. But sometimes the waiting, don't miss this now. Sometimes the waiting is part of the process for, don't miss it, God's plan, God's timing. Have your kids ever wanted anything and they were demanding and they wanted it now, but you had a bigger plan and you knew that it wasn't quite time Maybe they weren't ready. Maybe they were not mature enough. And you knew best as parent. God knows best. As a matter of fact, God will put the desire in you for something and you want it, you want it, you want it, you want it now, you want it now, and you pray and you fast and you cry and you declare and you decree and it hasn't come. And you think, God... I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But God put that desire in you. James said every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So the desires that we have, the purpose that we have, all those things, God downloaded those into us. Those were God's plan for you, his destiny for you first. And part of the waiting is because what he's planned for you, when you receive the promise everybody say promise when you receive the promise that God has for you 
It's part of a bigger purpose. Let's look at the scripture. This is in Luke chapter 1. This is the scripture just before Mary gets notification from the angel that she is going to have the Christ child. Verse 5. There were, or there was in the days of Herod, Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Everybody say Zacharias. Now the name Zacharias, it means God remembers. So there were in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named God remembers. That's what his name meant. God remembers. How many know God never forgets? God never sleeps. He's never asleep. He never slumbers. He's awake. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. He sees all things. He knows all things. He always remembers. He has not forgotten your promise. I said, he has not forgotten your promise. Some of you have had prophetic words. You've gotten a word from God, a prophetic word from God. And God said, I'm going to do this in your life. I'm going to do this. And you shouted when you got that word. You, you danced, you shouted, you told everybody. And then time started passing. And you're still shouting, but it hasn't happened. And you keep on shouting, and you, you've told, but you're not telling as many people. And you got the promise, and you know the promise was from God. You know you didn't make it up. You know you didn't dream it. But it hasn't happened yet. But I want you to know God remembers the word. God remembers the prophetic word. God has not forgotten. And so Zechariah, the priest of the division of, Ab of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. The word Aaron there means mountain of strength. So Zechariah's wife, whose name was Elizabeth, she was one of the daughters of Mountain of Strength. And her name was Elizabeth. And the name Elizabeth, the word Elizabeth means God's promise. So there, was a, there were in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, and Judea is a form of Judah, part of Judah. Judah, you know, means praise. Judea means praised one. So the king of praised one, a certain priest named Zechariah, a certain priest named God remembers of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Mountain of Strength, and her name was God's promise. However, they wanted a child and they had not had a child because they had been waiting and 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 waiting. And you would say, well, maybe they sinned. Look at your neighbor and say, maybe they sinned. Y'all didn't say that with much enthusiasm, but that's okay. But they did not, verse 6. And they were both righteous before God. That means they were living right. They were serving God. They were faithful. They were tithers. They attended worship. 
They did what they were supposed to do. They stayed in position. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. They were both, both of them. You think, well, maybe one of them messed up. No, no, no. They were both righteous, the Bible says, before God. They were walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord, and they were blameless. But they had not received their promise. It seemed that God had forgotten them. But no, God had not forgotten them. Their very name means God remembers God's promise. And God remembers God's promise. God remembers married God's promise. That's what their name meant. So here they are walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord and they're living blameless. But they had no child. They had no fruit. They had no baby. They had no produce. There was no multiplication taking place in their life. They were not fruitful. And in the beginning in Genesis, God said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. But here they were, God's, God remembers, married to God's promise, and they had no children, they had no babies, they had no family. It was the two of them, but they were living righteous. They were serving God, they were faithful, they were staying in position. Come on, somebody. But they had no child. Why? Because God's promise was barren. How could God's promise be barren? That's a question for the theologians, isn't it? Because that's what it says. Her name means God's promise. And so you can insert that. It's very simple. They had no child because God's promise was barren. And there's some of you that have been times in your life that you had a promise but it didn't happen like you thought. It didn't happen when you thought. And you thought, where is God? Are you in Africa helping some of your children over there? I need you here. You made a promise to me, God. So where is the promise? Where is the word? Where is the breakthrough? Where is the healing? Where is the financial miracle? Why are my babies strung out on drugs? Why has my husband left me? Why did my wife leave me? Why is there unfaithfulness? Why am I dealing with this? Why did I get this report from the doctor? Why? They had no child. Because God's promise was barren. As you know, the word barren means lack, empty, no provision, no way. It won't happen. The ingredients are not there for it to happen. There's something wrong. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody or not. Maybe, maybe I'm at the wrong place. Look at somebody and remind them, you've waited long enough. They had no child because God's promise was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. <laughs> you want the translation of that? Well, there's, there's two translations. The first one is... They were both well advanced in years. That's an excuse. 
We, st we start making excuses for God when it hasn't happened when we have a promise. When we're barren, when God gave us a promise and we know God gave us a promise, we know we didn't dream it. We know we didn't make it up. We know it was from God. Even if it was a dream, we know the dream came from God. If somebody prophesied, we know the prophecy came from God. We know it was from God, but it hasn't happened. And we're wondering, God, where are you? Why, 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 why? So we make excuses. Well, we, we got old. We're too old now. That's why. Maybe when we got the promise, maybe we were on the edge of almost too old and, and too old, and now we're too old. So that's why. Look at your neighbor and say, that's puny excuse. Puny excuse. Puny, puny excuse. Quit, it, make, quit making excuses for God. You don't have to make excuses for God. You don't have to make an excuse because you haven't seen what you thought was going to happen from the promise that God gave because God still remembers and God still has a promise and God will remember his promise in due time and delay is not denial. And when God gives a promise, he remembers it and it will happen in due time. Quit making excuses. Maybe it's not time yet. Some things take time. Some things there is a process. Some things have to bake in the oven for a while. If you take it out of the oven too soon, it won't be good to eat. But if God wants to get it out early, he can. Just like Adam and Olivia had a baby. He was born, Axel, born six months in. Six months in. Y'all didn't hear me. Six months in. And you've heard the story. You've heard the testimony. But in the natural, six months in is not enough. Lungs aren't developed. Skin's not developed. A whole lot of stuff's not developed. And I've seen babies born six months in, seven months in, even eight months in, and they'd stay in the intensive care six months. And they have to have oxygen. Their lungs are usually the last thing. But when Axel was born six months in, he's perfect. He didn't even need oxygen. Everything was right. So if God wants to get one out of the oven six months in, he can. Because he made the baby. And his timing is perfect. So verse 7, and it's interesting how even the, the, the numbers of the verses in the Bible are significant. Numbers are significant. Seven is the number of completion. But they had no child, even though seven is the number of completion, because God's promise was barren. And they were both well advanced in years. Here's the other translation. They were old. How many old folks you've seen having babies lately? Not a lot of them do. Usually we have babies when we're young. So if we miss half the night with them crying and wanting to eat and staying up, we can still function at work the next day. When you get old, you know, you go to bed early, you sleep late, and then you get up and eat breakfast, then you go back and take a nap. Old. They were both well advanced in years. And so it was, verse 8, 8's the number of new beginnings. Somebody say new beginnings. 
So it was that while Zechariah, God remembers, while God remembers was, what was he doing? What was he doing? Come on, everybody together. What was he doing? He was serving as priest, what do you do when you serve? When you serve, you are worshiping. When you serve, you are giving. When you serve, you are helping others. When you serve, you are making a difference. When you serve, you are in position. So while he was serving, worshiping, making a difference, helping somebody in position before God in the order of his division according to the custom. Verse 9 is the number of what? Birthing. So according to the custom of his priesthood, of his servanthood, of his responsibility. His lot fell to burn incense. That was also worship in those days. They would burn incense. It was part of the worship. So he was burning incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And while he was doing that, the whole multitude of people, somebody say everybody else, they were praying outside at the hour of incense. Again, that can be translated worship at the hour of worship. So they went to worship. They were praying and worshiping God while he was serving, while he was in position, while he was doing his thing. And while all of this happened, an angel of the Lord appeared. Did you know that when you worship and when you serve, God will show up? You want God to show up? Get in position. Worship. Serve. Be faithful. Do what you've been called to do. When he was doing that, when he was serving and everybody else was praying at the hour of incense, the hour of worship, they were in position. They were doing what they were supposed to do. As they did that, as he served, as he worshiped, as he fulfilled his function, his calling, the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar. Did you know that right is significant in the Bible? It is the, the, hand, the right hand of authority. The right hand is the right hand of blessing. So this angel appeared not just standing around the altar somewhere. He was standing in a position of authority. Hmm. But when, when God remembers, saw him, when Zacharias saw him, the Bible says he was troubled. Now, some of you think, well, if, if I saw an angel, I wouldn't be troubled. I would know how holy I was and how close I was to God. And God was showing up to put his stamp of approval on me because I have so much favor and so much blessing. That's the way some of you would think. But 99 and 9 tenths percent of you would be scared if an angel actually appeared in front of you. So he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. So why, do we, why are we afraid? When, why are we afraid when God shows up? Now, we should have an awesome fear and respect for God. But God is peace. God is love. God is hope. God is faithful. So the angel shows up, and he's afraid. He's troubled. But the angel spoke to him and said, Do not be afraid, God remembers. Hmm. Do not be afraid. Don't be troubled. Don't be worried. For your prayer is heard. And your wife 
God's promise. Do you see how we're reading this? She will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. How many knows what John means? The name John means God is gracious. So you're going to have a son. She's going to bear you a son. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for John will be great in the sight of the Lord. Watch this now. And he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Did y'all see how quiet it got right then? I wonder why. I wonder why he wasn't supposed to drink. Hmm. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And because of that, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And if you read on the chapter, you'll see that when Mary came in, he leapt in the womb and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God he will also go on before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience, disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. If you haven't already figured it out, this is John the Baptist we're talking about, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, anointed of God, given to God remembered in God's promise. Zacharias and Zechariah and Sarah. Hmm. He'll neither, he's going to be great and he'll neither drink wine nor strong drink, but he's going to be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. And he's going to go before the Lord in the power and the spirit of Elijah. And he's going to be anointed to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the, wisdom, to, to the wisdom and the just to make ready a people prepared for God. Wow. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? Wrong question. And it's okay to have questions. You can question God. God has big shoulders. It's fine for you to question God. I've heard people say, oh, don't question God. God's got big shoulders. He can take your questions. But this was not a question of information. This was a question of doubt. How shall I know this? For I am an old man. He's already making an excuse for God. We already talked about it. He's making an excuse. How can this be? I'm old. I'm too old. And some of you have thought you were too old to do the word of God. You thought you were too old to fulfill your destiny. You thought you were too old. You thought it was too late to fulfill the promise that God has given to you. You knew that you had remembered it, but you thought maybe God forgot. But no, God is the God who remembers. God is the God of the promise. And even though it may not have happened when you thought it was going to happen, it's not too late. You're not too old. If God made you a promise, the promise is going to come to pass. The promise will be fulfilled. God always keeps his promises God always keeps his word he is the God of 
faithfulness. He said, for I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. In other words, I'm old, she's old. How can it happen? How shall I know this? I like what the angel said. Verse 19, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. You know what the word Gabriel means? It means God is strength. In other words, he's strong enough to make an impotent man potent again. Yeah, some of you old men should be shouting right there. You ought to be shouting right there. You missed a good place to shout. I am Gabriel. Not only does Gabriel mean God is strength. He says, I am Gabriel and I'm the one who stands in the presence of God. Let me ask you something. If you are anointed... And because of your anointing, your family is blessed, your neighbors are blessed, your workers are blessed, people you work for are blessed. Everywhere you go, there's blessing because the anointing and the blessings of God are on you. If that works for you, how much more would the angel of God be blessed if he stands in the presence of God, if he is the one that is there, if he is one of the mighty archangels and he was sent directly to John the Baptist? or to Zacharias because John the Baptist is going to be born and he said, Zechariah says, how can this be? I'm old. My wife is old. He says, I'm strength. I'm Gabriel. My name is Gabriel. God is strength, and I'm the one that stands in the presence of God. And then watch this. And he said, I was sent to speak to you. I was sent to speak to you. You may not believe it, but I was sent to Chattanooga to plant Metro Tab Church. I was sent to be here for such a time as this. Rita Ball was sent to me as my wife to stand beside me. And we together have been sent not only to Metro Tab Church, not only to Chattanooga, but we have been sent to the nations. We have been sent to this country. We have been sent to the nations. And right now, the word of God is streaming around the world. And four or five times this week, it's going to go to over 200 nations around the world on five television networks. And I'm telling you, you, we have been sent to tell you you've waited long enough the power of God is here the presence of God is here the spirit of God is here God remembers who you are he remembers your promise he remembers his word he remembers that he is a faithful God he remembers that he cannot lie he remembers that he will do what he said he will do he remembers that he promised a last day revival that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh sons and daughters will prophesy that's you he remembers his promise he said I was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings how many know Dr. Shirley and Pastor Arnold were sent to Chattanooga 
for such a time as this. I told Pastor Rita this week, we were talking about it. And I said, your ministry, it's been a global ministry. You started with a little struggling guy out in Tulsa, Oklahoma that most people don't know. Oral Roberts helped boost his ministry. She was campus pastor there. And God has used her to plant churches and to plant schools all over the world to build businesses. And you could have gone anywhere. Churches would line up to have you on their staff in this season of your life to have your wealth of knowledge, your anointing, your apostolic voice, your prophetic voice. They would line up if they knew that you were available. But God had you in hiding for a, for a couple years. And she told part of her story yesterday morning. If you weren't here, you missed it. You ought to go back and watch it. Word, revelation, insight, power, authority. Powerful, powerful. And, and I don't know why God didn't send you to 3,000 other places except he sent you here except like Pastor Christie said the other day Rita Ball and me we're, we're his favorite we're his favorite we are we're his favorite kids and you're his favorite kid and he wanted the anointings to collide in the atmosphere for such a time as this I can't wait to see what God did tomorrow I can't wait to see what he did next week and next month. I can't wait to see what he did in the School of Roar this second year, this second first semester of the... I can't wait to see what he did because he's already done it in the spirit realm. We're just going to get to walk it out and see it happen. He's already done it. I've seen a preview, but I haven't seen the whole thing, but I can't wait to see what he did. I said that right. I can't wait to see what he already did. And what he did for the second year and what he did for the third. I can't wait to see what he has already done at our first international campus in Jamaica. They went down there. Pastor Tony and, and Dr. Shirley and the team went down there last, was it last weekend or two weeks? Two weeks ago to plant a campus. So those of you in Jamaica, we are sending the anointing. We are releasing the anointing. We are releasing the power, the breakthrough in the mighty name of Jesus. It is on you. The favor of God is on you. We are releasing the roar. The roar is going to release, be released in the Caribbean, all over the Caribbean in the mighty name of Jesus. And let me just pause and give you a commercial for the School of Roar. We call it the School of Roar, Raising, Ordaining, Advancing the Remnant. I read this week that there is only one, one animal that when he releases his natural sound, it can be heard up to five miles away. The lion, when he roars, his roar can be heard for five miles. But when we release the roar from the lion of the tribe of Judah, it shall be heard around the globe. And the roar is being released and the remnant is being raised up 
to release the roar in the name of Jesus. Verse 20. Behold, you will be mute. God remembers. Hush your mouth. See, if you look at verse 19, see if some people, there's, there's different theological interpretations as to why he was mute for nine months, for the next nine months. I am Gabriel, God's strength, who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to you to speak to you and to bring these glad tidings to you. Isn't it? It's glad tidings when you're going to have a baby, right? When you, when you find out that you're pregnant, when you and your spouse, you find out you're pregnant, you want to tell everybody. And, and you start, you know, you, maybe you tell your family first, you tell one or two first, you let the word out, and then, and then you want to tell everybody. The, this, is, this is good news. These are glad tidings. So there's, there's several interpretations. And Gabriel says, I was sent to you to bring you these glad tidings. And so now you would think, Zacharias is going, he wants to tell everybody. But the angel says, well, you, you doubted. So you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled, watch this, in their own time. I could just stop right here. I could have preached the whole message on these, these few phrases right here. What is faith? Do you believe? Do you believe? If you can believe, all things are possible. They danced about everything is possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. And we say it's possible. We say we believe. But you know, I... I probably shouldn't say it like this because some folks will misunderstand what I say but I'm going to say it there's some folks they're atheist Christians they believe there's a God they believe in God they believe the Bible they believe what it says they just don't believe that God will do what he says he will do they don't believe he'll heal them they don't believe he'll save their lost family member they're atheists they just don't believe because that's what an atheist is right they don't believe in God so how can you believe in God and not believe in God you, I'm talking to you. How can you believe in God? How can you sit in this church? How can you sit in a house of faith? How can you sit in a place where miracles take place and you see who God is and you see what God does and you don't believe it for yourself? How can you be an atheist Christian? Either he's God and he'll do everything he says he will do or he's not God and we might as well close this place and go home. Do you believe he is God? Well, then stop being an atheist Christian and believe because if you can believe, all things are possible if you'll only believe. And Gabriel said, Behold, you're going to be mute because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. In other words, he said, You can say, Zacharias, that you're old. You can say that your wife is old. You can make excuses. But we've been waiting in heaven until the right time. And see, your son, John, is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And Mary, your cousin, 
she's going to have a child. In just a few months now, she's going to be overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she's going to conceive. The Virgin Mary is going to conceive and she's going to bring forth the child. And his name shall be called Jesus. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is the prophetic one. Now watch this. If God's timing is everything, then even though they wanted to have a child years before, if they had had the child years before, when they were young, I don't know how old they were, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I don't know. They were old. They were obviously too old to have a baby according to natural things, right? Too old. However, if they'd had the baby when they were in their 20s or in their 30s and he was to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist eating locusts and wild honey, being a wild man, radical man of God, he couldn't come 20, 30, 40 years too early. He was the forerunner of Jesus. So some of you have been waiting for your promise. Let me tell you, tomorrow about this time, the famine's going to be over. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to get what you need for a few pennies, for a few coins. Tomorrow about this time, your financial breakthrough is here. Not coming, it's here. Tomorrow about this time, your body is healed. As a matter of fact, you've waited long enough. Today is the day. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of salvation. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Now is the time. Today is the time. Now after those days, his wife, God's promise conceived. God's promise will always conceive. God's promise will always be fulfilled. God's promise is always coming to fruition. God's promise will never fail. God's promise, Elizabeth, will conceive. And she hid herself for five months. Five is the number of grace. Five is the number of the apostle. Five is the number of the miracle that she was going to receive. Thus, the Lord has dealt with me, she said. In these days when he looked on me to take away my barrenness among the people. See, she was barren, the Bible says. So God just closed it up for a while until it was the right time. Why do we get frustrated when God's given us a promise just because it doesn't work in our timing and we don't think it's like it ought to be? Why do we get so frustrated? If we trusted God... You want to preach a while? I've killed it. It's just flat. She said, the Lord has dealt with me in these days when he looked on me to take away my reproach. So the, the womb was closed. It was shut up. It was temporary on pause to do what wombs are supposed to do. But he took away the pro reproach. He took away the barrenness. Verse 57. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. Full time. Full time. Full time. Her full time came. God's promise, full time, came for her to be delivered. Now, God's promise, full time, came for her to be 
delivered. I need to tell you today, your full time has come. Your full term has come. Your promise has come. Your breakthrough has come. Your healing has come. Your financial miracle has come. Your business increase and explosion has come. Your babies being saved has come. Your husband or wife being saved has come. It has come. It has come. And she brought forth a son named John. God is gracious. There's too much here. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. See, we missed that right there. If it ain't for us, we don't say nothing. If it's not our miracle, we get jealous because somebody else got a breakthrough. Why didn't God do it for me? I can't believe I've been as faithful as they have. I've, I've worked as hard. I served as much as they did. I, I give money in the church. I've done as much as they did. Why did it happen to them? It didn't happen to me. Shame on you. Shame on you. It's not about us. It's about him. And when we learn to be righteous, to stay in position, to worship, to pray, to be faithful, to know that when God makes a promise, he remembers his promise. He will not forget his promise. He's not an old man that he forgets. When God's promise full time came for her to be delivered, she brought forth the son. And when the neighbors and relatives heard about it, how the Lord had opened her womb, changed her season, given her a child, they rejoiced with her. Here's the lesson. Every time somebody in this house gets a miracle, gets a breakthrough, you ought to shout. Don't just shout when I tell you. Shout all day. Tell others about it. Tell people all over your neighborhood. Tell people that you work with. Tell everybody. Let me tell you what God's doing at my church. He touched my brother. He touched my sister. He gave them a miracle. He healed them. He raised them up from cancer. He turned everything around. You ought to be telling the miracles, telling the stories. You ought to be rejoicing with them. You ought to shout about their miracles so you know how to act when you get yours. Come on, somebody. Every time one of us gets a miracle, when one of us gets a breakthrough, we ought to be praising the Lord. We ought to be shouting. We ought to be rejoicing. We ought to give praise everywhere we go. Shout it from the mountaintop. So it was on the eighth day, eight's the number of new beginnings, that they came to circumcise the child. It was the custom. They also were going to give him a name. They didn't do it until then. And they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. And his mother answered and said, no, 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 no. We're not calling him Zacharias. We're going to call him John. And so they looked to John and they said, what do you say? Or I mean, they looked to Zacharias and said, what do you say? And he said, his name is John. God is Gracious, I need to tell you, you've waited long enough. You've waited long enough. If you've been waiting for a breakthrough, if you've been waiting for a promise, if that's you, if this has resonated with you, get up and come to this altar right now. If you have a promise from God and you've been waiting for it, and maybe you thought it should have happened yesterday, last week, last month, last year, five years, ten years, twenty years ago, 
I don't care when you thought it was supposed to happen. If you've been waiting, you've waited long enough, now is the time. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. Run down here. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Now is the day of healing. Now is the day of miracles. Now is the day of breakthrough. Now is the day of increase for your business. Now is the day of in now is the day for credit cards to be canceled. Now is the day for your mortgage to be paid off. Now is the day for financial turnaround. Now is the day for sickness to go. Ha cancer is leaving. Heart disease is leaving. Now's the time for your knees to be healed. Now is the time for your back to be healed. Now is the time for your shoulder to be healed. Now is the time for your kids to be saved. Now is the time. Now, today, today, now is the time. You've waited long enough. God remembers God's promise. Do you think he forgets his own promise? It's all in his timing. 